The phenomenon of having a professional entourage has grown more popular with artists over the last 30 years, but it's not a new idea. In Latin and ancient Greek, the word for family refers to all members of the aristocratic household, including dependents of the Lord, who would attend upon him, counsel him, and receive rewards. Entourage literally means to encircle yourself. Imagine if in every uneasy business meeting, every boring wait time, every awkward social function, you were surrounded by your boys. Your confidence could not be matched by anyone who is alone. After all, when do you feel stronger than when you are surrounded by your best friends? It's Britney, bitch. George Bush doesn't care about black people. Our ed education, like such as South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as, and... We sitting here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. Ladies and gentlemen, we got them. Oh, Charlie! Oh! Our next door neighbors are foreign countries. I call upon all nations to do everything they can to stop these terrorist killers. Thank, Thank you. you. Now watch this drive. How was last night? I meant to go join you guys, but I got caught up in East Village, so. It was good. I mean, we just, we drank some beers at the park, and then we drank some beers at the bar. <laughs> we all had fun. We played Cards Against Humanity at the bar. I took a brutal L, per usual. I was in the East Village, and Ben, if we ever do like a live recording of this podcast or, or have a studio, it should be in the East Village, because that neighborhood mm -hmm. basically is a time capsule at this point. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Like, I was at two bars yesterday, and everybody's dressed up like they're in S Club 7, and like, <laughs> I heard like four Hootie and the Blowfish songs. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. It's, it's weird to be at that part of the nostalgia curve now, that young, hip kids are dressing in Jenko jeans and shit. Yeah, some of it's hot, honestly. Like, there's a lot of like belly chains out right mm -hmm. now That's you cool. know what not the worst part of 2000s fashion i don't mind yeah those. i'm just waiting for the trucker hats to come back man that's um, i for one they've, can't wait they've been back pal yeah <laughs> i mean there's an entire entourage episode based around trucker hats i saw a woman wearing like a puka shell anklet last night and i was like that is very cool I that's like pretty that. cool like vacation core yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right hey everybody welcome to remember shuffle like subscribe write a review if you haven't yet today we are talking about entourage what is there to say? Why are we doing this, Trinana? Well, it's the perfect post 9-11 show because in the 2000s, we wanted easy watches, easy music. And the premise of this show is what if only good things happen to you and your friends? <laughs> and you started out great and you just got <laughs> even greater, right? right? Yeah. What if last night was a movie was made into a TV show? <laughs> it's like, what if one of your friends became famous and brought you along for the ride and you didn't have to work? You could just coast off of his success. And even the guy who is working is himself coasting off of his looks so it's the ultimate fantasy life yeah no effort exerted ever just passive rewarding of not working and it's not even like you were born that way like they're, they're all county friends who go from queens. guys from the neighborhood right and so it's not even like they have to deal with the existential angst of being born rich and being able to coast it's like yeah you know, we advanced ourselves and we can coast it's a beautiful life but importantly the show alludes to the fact that they grew up poor but you never have to see it like you never see their lives before yeah even in the episode where they go back to queens for a while the whole premise is them coming in and putting money into the community and buying a bar <laughs> <laughs> there's non-stop chilling for eight seasons baby bro we're gonna open a bar yeah being able to go back and open johnny drama's bar yeah that's unbeatable yeah. turtle also opens a restaurant at one point as well yeah after so many different ventures that's the ultimate rich friends move right is to open a restaurant like a business that can only lose money whenever you hear about an athlete who went broke it's always like oh yeah i lent my friend money to open a restaurant yeah <laughs> which was open for two months yeah and to discuss this nine eight or nine season magnum opus of excess and hedonism we brought on ben the second ben did you watch this when it was new in the aughts no 
I actually, I watched it the first time my summer going into college, which perfect fucking time to watch that show. And then <laughs> most recently, I rewatched it about a year ago to see how it held up. And I watched it with my now girlfriend when we started dating, just kind of as like something to hang out and do. And it was a really, it was a really fun time to rewatch that. This was um, your girlfriend watch? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> what a life. Yeah, she was, she was a good person to talk about everything with, uh, with kind of like how things have aged or what the perspective of just you know all of the male dominated show culture mm-hmm. and i should mention that ben is like the ultimate boston guy you know you're <laughs> from foxborough you were one of the first interns at barstool sports right obviously a massive boston sports fan he's wearing a red Sox cap right now <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah i can't help myself this spiritually is a boston show of course based off of mark Wahlberg's life even though like they retconned it into being from new york <laughs> yeah they retconned it into being about people who are almost likable instead of being about Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, it would have been tough to live up to Mark Mark's legacy truly in the show. That's one of the funniest details I've always found about this show is that we've noticed on this podcast a few times, like with the Boondock Saints, that a lot of 2000s culture was taking something gritty about the 90s that was cool and then polishing it up and reselling it as a fake version in the 2000s. And that's what this show is. It's like, let's take Mark Wahlberg's story and really (laughs) clean up the characters because Mark Wahlberg's actual entourage (laughs) was full of violent felons including Mark Wahlberg himself <laughs> and so they had to clean them up for for television and move it from Boston to New York but it's yeah it's like oh remember the episode of Entourage where uh Vince hate crimes a Vietnamese man <laughs> yeah that one got cut <laughs> yeah actually later on in the show they introduce a real life Mark Wahlberg friend type guy with Dominic yeah and he's just like universally hated by fans and written off the show yeah really unlikable guy for every episode that he's in just he <laughs> consumes but does it in a way that somehow feels like he's freeloading even though that's the entire premise of the show yeah and just so hateable he does it in a disgusting way but we'll get to that yeah let's let's start by describing the characters because entourage is essentially a sitcom which is like the most character driven genre of tv so let's break down our four absolute mad lads (laughs) and then i think what we're gonna do since there is eight or nine seasons of this is we can go beat by beat through an episode so we'll start with our star our beautiful boy vincent chase the handsome passive movie star who doesn't want to make any decisions. And so he he brings his boys, his childhood best friends, to be his entourage in Los Angeles and basically do everything for him. Hook him, drive him around, go to the DMV, any kind of confrontation, scheduling, any decision-making of any kind really will be handled by his friends. He's just there to, to be a cute guy. Yeah, it's next level hedonism, right? You could have hedonism where it's like, I want to smoke weed, drink beer, have sex, you know, indulge in pleasures. But what if you took that hedonism to the next level and you're like, I don't want any discomfort whatsoever. I don't want the discomfort of breaking up with women. I'm just going to just, you know, not call them again. I don't want the discomfort of having to make a choice. Uh, no, thank you. I'm going to offload all of that. Mm-hmm. And he has these hilarious lines where he's he's just so smooth brain. He says, like, I literally can't be hassled to do anything. He can't even prepare an anecdote for a talk show. Just pure passivity. And this is the one guy in the crew with a job. <laughs> yeah. And I think what's funny about it is there's already like if you go to even like the Wikipedia page or the way they talk about him it's implied that he's somehow the next great rising actor in Hollywood the whole time so it's like on top of him just being a walking bro that just chills with his friends there's still an air of superiority that and like artistic credibility that he is allowed to have which is really funny yeah they try and do that a bit more in the second season and I feel like they abandoned it in the second season Vinny Chase would, would name up some obscure director from like the 50s mm. and be like oh I like the, the directing that he did on this film and it's like all of a sudden Vincent Chase was like a film buff. Yeah, and every time he tried to make a critically great movie, it was a huge flop. <laughs> he just bricked it. <laughs> Essentially, every season of Entourage will have some kind of overarching plot that boils down to, this is not an original joke from my end. This is what Family Guy said about it. Vince it definitely <laughs> can't do the movie. Vince can do the movie. And that's every single season. Yeah, we don't have enough money. Oh shit, we have enough money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's worth stressing. He refuses to read script. This is a major plot point. His agent says it. He's like, I know you don't read the scripts. And so I watched the show. I like to imagine that he is actually illiterate. 
illiterate. He is a handsome, illiterate man that has risen up through the ranks. In the first season, he literally cannot prepare himself breakfast in one episode. One of the entourage has to prepare breakfast, and he appears mostly to cook eggs, which is one of the simplest meals you could possibly prepare. So I, I like the view that he should be some kind of ward of the state. Like if he were if he were on trial for a crime, you would not be able to try him as an adult because he doesn't <laughs> quite have the mental capabilities. Yeah, and he doesn't drive either, right? That's true hedonism. To be like, Psh, I don't read. Yeah. <laughs> But still, he's doing it in a cool way and not a stupid way. Right. It's amazing. <laughs> like, everything just moves off of him effortlessly. Yeah, so because he can't cook or read or drive, he has three friends that each do one of these tasks. <laughs> <laughs> So who do we want to start with? Do we want to start with the reader? Yeah, yeah, maybe E. Yeah. Yeah, I think what's interesting also about E in particular is that it's also, you know, a role that he was really able to participate in well as a member of Leonardo DiCaprio's famed Tosi Posse in the 90s. Whoa. Yeah, they were like best friends. Like him, Toby Wire, I think David Blaine. Like they, <laughs> The magician? Yeah. They were what a horrible Pussy Posse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it seemed like it was concentrated at the top. Yeah, so I think like there was that experience, which probably made it come pretty naturally to just bro down for Kevin Connolly. But also he was done acting. He had moved on to directing and then he directed like a few episodes. Of, I forget what TV show he was on. He had shifted to do that after he did Up, Up and Away. And they wrote the role of E specifically for him. Oh, really? And that's the other reason he, yeah, he came out of retirement. And now when everybody thinks about anything that Kevin Connolly got, like just is E. Yeah, I mean, he directed one of the greatest films of all time later on in Gaudi. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, E is Vince's best friend. E is short for Eric and, you know, an incredibly lazy nickname. He's also short for a person. <laughs> He's the shortest member of the entourage, which it, it itself is a very short crew. It's a short king show. You know? Yes, absolutely. And he eventually becomes his manager. E is kind of like the, the smug wet blanket of the group. As all these guys want to truly indulge, he's the one who tries to have girlfriends, even though every other member of the gang says no girlfriends allowed. He actually reads the scripts and seems to care about Vince's career. He's the only one with any level of self-awareness because early in the first season, he's like, you know, maybe I shouldn't be your manager because I don't know anything. I just managed a pizza place. Yeah, it shows himself. He shouldn't be a Hollywood agent. He doesn't have the training or ability. So he has like a little bit of self-awareness and he's usually pretty smug and judgmental towards the rest of the gang. I find I find him very irritating. I find all of them very irritating. I think that he does get he does get irritating for like what you said, being the, the only emotional conscience of the show or the only person in the gang that ever has any type of critical thinking or reservation and not just like impulse action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was irritating for me, especially like once you find out that in real life, he's probably like the worst person of the four of them. Like he has, yeah. there's a very credible rape accusation against Kevin Connolly and kind of ruined it for me. But yeah, that's, that's E, the reader of the group. He has street smarts. He may not be a, a powerful Hollywood agent, but he's from Queens. That's the thing. Yeah. He's got New York street dreams and hustle energy that he's able to move from Sabaros into being just a manager and then he ultimately gains his own agency and becomes like a Hollywood titan. <laughs> in like four episodes, he goes from having one client to being the head of a huge agency. You know what? Literally for E, his network was his net worth. Absolutely. <laughs> Awful. All right, so next up we got Turtle, who's the, the lackey, the gopher, the hype man for Vince. He's, he's the only shameless member of the group when it comes to accepting Vince's charity. He has no scruples at all. He'll, he'll say things like come on you let's go these girls are hot they want some k-rock premier contest they want a party but first they want to meet vince so you gotta hook that shit up could you get laid without vince that's the question do i give a fuck that's the answer he will take anything given to him and it doesn't have any pretensions of wanting to be independent at least at first mm -hmm. i find it very funny that the real life turtle was this guy named donkey <laughs> who, <laughs> who died from an asthma attack at age 39 <laughs> and spent the last five years of his life telling everybody how much of a scumbag Mark Wahlberg was. <laughs> I, I feel like not a lot of 39 year olds die of asthma attacks. I think that must be a euphemism for did so much coke his heart gave out or something. <laughs> but yeah, Turtle, he's got the New York accent. He sounds like a New York guy, which is cool. Played by Jeremy Ferrara, Italian looking guy. Drama, yeah. retard. <laughs> he's just, Turtle is yeah, just he, a man. He, he definitely has some of the most, out, aside from maybe Ari, who we'll get to, he has some of the most outlandish or, you know, over the top lines. I think he's pure id in a gang full of full of id he is the idist in some ways he's the audience stand in because he's just a bro and he's he's like a bro that's somehow connected to everybody in Hollywood people just know him right Mark yeah. Wahlberg will be like hey turtle you owe me $5,000 when are you gonna pay me <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, let's move on to Johnny Drama. Come on, bro. Let's go, bro. What about me? You talking about me, bro? <laughs> this is Vince's brother, who's a fading actor who was very popular sort of in the 90s and is now quickly becoming irrelevant. And I think is, is probably the second best character in the show. Certainly the funniest. He just gets shit on every episode, usually by Turtle, because Turtle, as the low man on the totem pole, needs someone to make fun of. But Drama's, I think, like the best actor. He's great. His whole thing is that everybody knows who Vincent chases and loves him and he kind of assumes that he's at the same level of fame and it's just repeatedly like shit on by life oh yeah he the, the biggest laughs for me from the show are always johnny drama lines or johnny drama jokes because he's just mm. incredibly pathetic and desperate yeah <laughs> whenever there's a hollywood cameo he's always asking people for parts and right. just he, he's desperate pathetic and delusional is how i would describe it definitely delusional yeah like he's constantly making hilarious one-liners that are showing like no self-awareness or anything like that and yeah I think when I was watching it with my now girlfriend he was repeatedly described as the perfect man yeah his ability to care for others and cook and I think she was probably missing a lot of the you know the masculine feelings of inadequacy that are present with drama but uh, she she was definitely a bigger fan of drama than say uh, E he was really? extremely hated yeah wow interesting yeah. okay yeah because he's always trying to convince people he's I'm a nice guy you know I'm just like I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a nice guy not like my friend yeah and he yeah. just pulls himself apart and creates extreme drama where it doesn't need to exist and hurts people by not making decisions. Right. Whereas at least drama will make a decision and then he'll also destroy your car with a golf club because he's so angry. <laughs> like, she's certainly not indecisive. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no ability to control himself. One of my favorite laugh lines was there's an episode where Turtle goes to collect money from a rapper and Johnny Drama goes with him because he's a good friend, you know, he'll like have his back. And the, the rap guy's posse quickly just grabs drama and like holds him at, like by his feet outside of a balcony and so Johnny Drama by the way was like famous on the show called Viking Quest and the rapper comes out and he's like what the fuck is Viking Quest doing being held <laughs> out of my balcony right now and, and Johnny Drama is like he's scared for his life but in that moment he, he takes a second to be like bro you saw Viking Quest? <laughs> <laughs> Just needs the validation at any moment. Yeah, he yeah. like a second away from death and he's like oh my god someone recognized me. <laughs> yeah just hilariously insecure too mm-hmm. which yeah it's, it's part of what makes the character so fun. Yeah. All right. So moving on to Ari Gold, the I would say the the breakout character of the series. Played by Jeremy Piven. Yeah. Jeremy Piven sort of finally found a role that really used his natural strength, which were like just being a bucking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Just being generally contemptible, unpleasant to behold. I was listening to Jeremy Piven's podcast to get ready for this. And it's funny because he was talking to Doug Ellen, the showrunner and creator of Entourage. And he's like, well, you know, like I'm nothing like my character. You know, I'm like, I'm nothing like my character. That's how acting works. And then he goes on to just antagonize almost everybody who worked on Entourage and <laughs> put them down. I'm like, oh, really? You're you're nothing like your character. <laughs> yeah, the vindictive guy who's allegedly sexually assaulted multiple women. Couldn't be you, bro. <laughs> so he's Vince's agent. And at first, he's sort of like a supporting character, but he's so popular that he eventually becomes the fifth beetle. And he's like a high-powered, angry, type A agent character in Hollywood. And as a result, he, he generates like a ton of humor because he's, he's so offensive and asshole-ish. Apparently, yeah, he's, he's incredibly sleazy and mm-hmm. he's incredibly abusive to pretty much everyone he interacts with. Yeah, I have a couple clips of, of him that I can play now. Let's see here what we got. I'm so happy, Ari. You've made me very happy. I hope you're happy too. Do I look happy? What's wrong? Has so much cum been squirted in those eyes you can't see what's right in front of your face? Amanda Daniels takes that job. Vince is fucked and I'm fucked, which means we're all fucked. And we're fucked in the way you like to get fucked, not fucked in the way that normal people like to get fucked. Yeah, at one point, Ari hires a gay assistant and after that 40% of his lines just become homophobic slurs I mean this show is is a wild time capsule Ben and I were talking about how we watch a lot of stuff from the 2000s and and it doesn't seem so far removed from our current time but this show is is in such a different world it really blows your mind because so much of the culture that it was aping is just it's done like it's it's over you know like yeah. the idea of these guys driving around in a Hummer absolutely <laughs> <laughs> it's like the big yellow Hummer. Yeah. Yeah. And just being like openly sexist and, and homophobic. You don't want to do the hack thing of saying, yo, they could never make this anymore. But it's not just about you couldn't make this anymore. It's almost just you just don't see this anymore. The world like, doesn't exist that way. 
Honestly, watching this, and just to echo what Jordano said, I had culture shock like, or time watching this. Where like, for me, really, the, the jokes that land the best are the Johnny drama ones. Because like the Ari jokes are all the same. It's pushing the envelope of what is socially acceptable to say back then. So mm. obviously culture has changed now. It's Yeah, it's a lot of yikes. But again, we don't want to do the hack thing if you couldn't do this today. But one thing that I find really, really funny about this is that Barack Obama said this was his favorite show in 2008. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this isn't like some press secretary wrote a little memo. Oh, here are, you know, candidate Obama's favorite shows. There was a list of 10 and entourages on it. Like, no, people who worked on his campaign said they would rearrange events and calls on Sunday night when Entourage aired so that that's Obama amazing. could catch all of Entourage before hopping on like a Zoom conference <laughs> call or whatever. Well, that's how he was so cool. It's, it really worked <laughs> out. Also, like, it's interesting to think about whether the gratuitous nature of the inappropriate jokes like that you couldn't say or that just having hedonism ultimately didn't feel like it was overly impact because it wasn't the one time they did something bad it was just you know one speed this is going to be what it's going to be and it's less mm -hmm. hateful but maybe i'm saying that as me and not somebody who would be a target of any of the hatred <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's, it's wild to think about obama who's every lib's favorite lib watching this show that has so much like sexism and homophobia and the r slur and the f slur and like yeah. my theory of this is is Obama wants to be famous. Like Definitely. that's what he wants to be. In 2020, when he had to shrink down his COVID birthday party, he <laughs> disinvited all of these democratic politicians who had worked with him for like 20, 30 years. They're dorks. They're nerds. I don't want you at my party. I want big Hollywood stars like Don Cheadle, yeah. Stephen Colbert. <laughs> Yeah, he just wants to be like Jamie Foxx or like yeah. Denzel Washington right, or yeah. John Cena. Mm -hmm. Need to do something different. Uh, let me be clear. Uh, fame. It's more fun with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean when I say that it's a strange time capsule because it's like, yes, we do still have like sexism and homophobia in society, but it's, but it's not the lib president's favorite show. And so like that's not happening anymore, right? Yeah. That's that's what I mean. Yeah, uh, I mean, there, there are precisely two types of women on the show Entourage. You could be a cold, shrew, ball-busting bitch yeah. like Shauna, <laughs> the publicist. Yeah, or Dana Gordon. Yeah, or you can be a sex object to be conquered. Those are the right. two flavors of women. In entourage. And in that <laughs> second flavor, like there's not a woman on this show who weighs more than like 98 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so jarring because you don't see that too often anymore where it's like, oh yeah, I remember when like just like everybody was anorexic in Hollywood. Yeah. There's an episode where Johnny is dating a woman who lifts. <laughs> like oh, she yeah, like yeah. has muscles and the rest of the crew are like, yo, drama, you're dating a <laughs> fucking baboon. <laughs> and it, like it is such a strange and, and Obama's like, I love it. It's so true. Remember when uh <laughs> Uh, when a drama dated a woman with muscles, it was it was, uh, it was weird. <laughs> uh, you know what I like most? Uh, I like that there's no black people on Entourage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's yeah, so nobody. white. It's the whitest fucking show. It must be filmed in LA, I guess, because that's where all yeah. the studios are. But like, this is not the LA that 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 you would recognize if you went there. Yeah, and the one black character with like even somewhat of a role is he comes on to be a rapper. You know, he's Saigon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you just never he gets a season, and then the audience was like, "Nah, this, this isn't what this show is about." Yeah, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg had a word and he made sure that they cleaned up their act <laughs> oh um, i think I, I think i know what that word was <laughs> did you guys know that after the uh 2008 democratic convention barack obama said to hillary uh Let's talk it out, bitch. <laughs> I think that like is one of the cooler parts about the show that feels, you know, time capsule is the amount of like cameo culture that you had in that show. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. height of celebrity gossip, Perez Hilton, you know, type of era. Yeah, well, there was no social media. And so it's like the only place you could see the stars. Yeah, is Entourage. Right, it's Entourage and, or, or like Perez Hilton or something. You might see anybody, Tom Brady. One of the best cameo shows of all time, really. Absolutely. Yeah, Larry David has a cameo on one that's pretty good. Like in the episode that we're going to like break down beat by beat there's three celebrity cameos okay so anything else from just like this show being a time capsule here the world doesn't exist that way where, you know, there's no juicy couture hot women walking around <laughs> nobody's using a fucking sidekick i remember when i when i rewatched it and saw some people out a legitimate phone that wasn't an iphone like a mm -hmm. like a big ass sidekick i couldn't believe just what the world felt like then compared to what it feels like now it really doesn't like feel like it achieved anything like that how long till we start seeing some sidekicks in the east village yeah i think there may be like 
people will be like, no, I've had too much internet. Social media is ruining my life. I'm going to go backwards and have a phone that can do less. And then like the shape of your phone will be more interesting. I could see it. Yeah. Like a razor. Yeah. yeah. I want the flip phone to come yeah. back, man. They flip. It's dope. You look <laughs> yeah. cool picking up and hanging up the phone. Yeah. yeah the hanging up part is the And hanging up the flip phone. Yeah. And just like throwing it because it's not an iPhone that's going to shatter. <laughs> right. You can't have the level of rage that he achieved without having hooked. Yeah. I think like the way that they used music and use that as like platform to make music hyped up, you know, put it into the mainstream. It was really interesting. Like the song Good Life by Kanye off of uh, yes. Graduation that was premiered on that show. Like when they- uh, Really, like, really? Draw, yeah, when they used that song as the outro to the episode where they were all on the plane and met Kanye mm-hmm. during Kanye's cameo. That was the first time that song ever been played. Awesome. Nice. Man. That's the perfect song for the show too. That's also a very aughts thing. I think the OC did something similar, Death Cab premiering mm-hmm. these songs on that. So. Really? Yeah, you don't see that anymore. Yeah, now you get a TikTok trending sound. Yeah, one thing that I, I found kind of funny is that I do think right now in society, I, I don't know how mainstream this is, but there is this hustle culture, grind set mentality. Sure. It's all over the internet. Like certainly with social media, people posting reels about making six figures from their fucking multi-level marketing schemes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there is this kind of culture that does put work up on a pedestal. Shit, man, fucking Squarespace had a Super Bowl ad that was about working five to nine instead of nine to five. And they, they flipped mm-hmm. the Dolly Parton song sure. to be about your side hustle that you work when you go home. And yeah. I think there is like right now in the in the cultural moment, there's a bit of this cult of work and Entourage is exactly the opposite. No work. All play. Yeah. All play. <laughs> yeah. If you're just cool enough, you know, yeah. that, that's also work. Yeah. If you're just cool enough, if you and your boys just fucking chill just hard enough, you two, <laughs> you two can bro down like this and get everything. Money is no object. Women are all object. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's brutal. It makes you feel bad to show up to work now when you can just be like fuck it i gotta be hanging out with my boys now like fire up the xbox we're watching some fucking boxing mm-hmm. it's yeah. crazy it's wild i have like more to talk about movies about making movies later but you never even see them rehearse lines no you barely <laughs> see them work on set it's just the lifestyle part of being a hollywood star yeah they yeah. try to get way too into vince's acting career later on and just tanks the show like, nobody <laughs> wants that we want more hedonism now right. we want that in a controlled space i was thinking about about a because uh, this is like the opposite of a grind set culture like you know you have people like jordan peterson who talk about how you need to like work for things and i'm thinking you could have stand like up a- straight with your shoulders back like a lobster <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the male influence guy of this culture is a guy i'm calling peter jordanson and he's like mm, you don't have to make your bed because horse will still fuck you in an unmade bed if you're cool enough <laughs> just grab the bomb it'll all work out <laughs> i uh, i literally cannot be hassled. <laughs> but literally, don't they have in their friend group an underlying theme of, I think it's, it might just be Turtle, but it's jerking off before you make a big decision. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what you need to do is jerk off before you make a decision because then you're clear-minded. Yeah. Turtle inventing post-nut clarity. <laughs> <laughs> So, sure. yeah, we, we know our characters. We know what the show's about. I have a beat-by-beat breakdown. Jordano and Ben, you can jump in uh, whatever you want. But this is like what I think of as an average episode of Entourage. This is season one, episode three. Uh, it's called The Talk Show. So we open with the boys attending a boxing match, having a good time. Johnny Drama convinced some guy recognizes him. Getting lots of, you know, shots of bloody boxes or whatever. And as they're walking out, the guys discuss how much money they would have to be paid to get punched in the face. Turtle and Drama roughhouse a bit. They accidentally bump into a beautiful lady. She's at first angry. She says, hey, asshole. And then she notices Vince and immediately wraps herself around him. (laughs) Just Mm -hmm. total strange. You know, as the show would call her, a hottie. And uh, side note, the boxer in this match is Vasily Klitschko. Uh, They name drop him. He's currently the mayor of Kiev. (laughs) He's been in the news recently. (laughs) And drama wrongly says that he's Russian and thus has, quote, that Genghis Khan Mongolian warrior blood in him. (laughs) But holds up. We move on to essentially the A-plot conflict of the episode. They, after the match, they bump into Ari at a restaurant and they bump into Jimmy Kimmel, who is pretty pushy and asks Vince to come on the show. So the plot is, how is Vince going to do on Kimmel? Because he refuses to prepare. And gradually on this A-plot, they build more and more and more. So Johnny Drama claims that he and Kimmel have beef. Johnny Drama has beef with everyone in Hollywood somehow, like real or imagined slights. And Vince just totally refuses to do anything. We're immediately introduced to 
to the B plot too, which is Turtle and Drama meet with Luke Wilson, the first of several cameos in this episode. And Luke Wilson says he gets a, he got a free state-of-the-art home theater system by plugging a show. And of course, Johnny Drama asks Luke Wilson for a part, which he says is currently being played by Owen Wilson, his brother. And Drama says, well, you know, if he falls through, you think of me. <laughs> so we have our A plot and our B plot. And in a normal sitcom, these would interact. <laughs> they, they like In something like Seinfeld, they, they would like interact at the end. And they kind of do an entourage. The episode goes on. E has some drama with his season one girlfriend. The show tries to add a little bit of drama, usually through E's relationships, but it's very, very boring. We heighten the tension of how is Vince going to fuck this up? Because it turns out the other guest on Kimmel that night is a woman that Vince slept with and never called again. Because Vince refuses to break up with women. You don't need to. It's unpleasant. I don't want to experience that discomfort. Just, you know... <laughs> We meet Shauna, the ball-busting publicist. She's mad at them for going over their heads. Vince refuses to do the pre-interview because it will, quote, get my head all screwed up. And then the boys go golfing. He's trying to do the pre-interview on the phone. And they, you know, engage in some playful roughhousing, which they do constantly. An egregious turtle line that I love. They're at a fancy terrace restaurant on the golf course. Turtle thinks that this Sarah Foster, this woman that Vince has slept with, might bring more hotties because, quote, because hotties roll in packs, baby. Woo! <laughs> <And> literally house. <laughs> yeah, there's some more E stuff that's dumb, but we return to the B plot. Turtle and Johnny are told if they wear the hat on Kimmel that says the name of the home theater organization, that they could get it for free. Again, Heighten and Vince fucking up on Kimmel. He just rolls out of bed. He like doesn't iron his shirt. So yeah, just to recap, this is a premium cable prestige television. And the conflict of the show is one, what is Vince going to say on Jimmy Kimmel? And two, will they be able to get a discount on their home theater system? <laughs> <laughs> it is awesome because it is the lowest stakes television show of all time. It's That's what I mean when I say it's the perfect 9-11 show. Absolutely. It's like, what, what's at stake here? Will I be able to get a discount? <laughs> and, and we'll have a funny story on Jimmy Kimmel. It's yeah. awesome. It raw. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to do too much. It's like Drake music. It's just perfectly there. <laughs> What, what if only good things happen? Mm -hmm. And again, what's so frustrating to me is that I feel like so much comedy is dependent on tension, like you being like a little bit uncomfortable and then cutting the tension in a funny way. And this show is so tensionless because of mm -hmm. the low stakes and it totally uncuts comedy. So they go to Kimmel. Kimmel's our other cameo of the episode. They walk into the green room. It's filled with beautiful women and Turtle encapsulates the philosophy on Entourage where he says, quote, I don't know about the afterlife, but this life is sweet. Again, Bar. only good things happen. Incredible <laughs> Vince is separated from the gang in the green room. He goes to Sarah Foster. He almost apologizes. And oh no, they have sex again right before filming. What will this do? Is this going to be awkward? <laughs> it won't be. Sarah Silverman has a cameo. Ari tries to poach her as a client. He's super sleazy about it. It's revealed that Ari is banned from Kimmel's green room for being too obnoxious. And we finally get to what should be the climax of the episode. Vince is on Kimmel. He says to Kimmel outright, oh, I just had sex with her five minutes ago. No problem. She loves it. She loves that she was just, you know, <laughs> outed on national TV for having fucked in the Kimmel dressing room. She just smiles and laughs. Kimmel does the late night thing and asks how the movie is going. And Vince says, I don't want to talk about the movie. Oh no, he's blowing this. He's not promoting the movie. He's going to be in trouble with his publicist or whoever. He says, ah, forget about the clip. Vince wants to talk about the Johnny drama drama. And he's like, oh no, what are you doing? No one knows who Johnny drama is. And then it turns out Johnny drama comes out. The beef was actually his fault. He apologizes and then then they cut to our gang back at home, smoking weed, drinking beer with some hotties around. They're watching their own Kimmel appearance and Johnny Drama is able to put on the hat to get the free stereo system. They cheers. They do that a lot. Turtle says, great night. And Johnny Drama responds by saying, great fucking night. And that's it. That's how it ends. <laughs> that moment with your boys, great fucking night. You know, you just top him a little bit and you really feel like it's my life's a movie. Yeah. That's a huge moment. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, if this were a show like Seinfeld or curb your enthusiasm there would be some kind of awkwardness when vince fucks up this interview there'd be some kind of consequences for your <laughs> actions that's why it is the anti-seinfeld because in seinfeld they spend the whole episode actively scheming and working towards resolving the conflict only for it to blow up in their face and entourage instead is them doing nothing to solve their problems and then it all working out <laughs> it all works out fine <laughs> there's an episode where they're trying to sign aaron sorkin and they're just fucking it up Ari and his team at every
every step in the way. His lead guy literally drives a car through his ex-wife's house and gets thrown <laughs> in prison. And so yeah. Aaron Sorkin is meeting to sign with the agency over a prison phone. And the guy's having a nervous breakdown over the prison phone, the guy who's locked up. And they've fucked up every step of the way. And what happens in the end? Aaron Sorkin goes, you know what, man? You look like you could need a leg up. I'm going <laughs> to sign with you. <laughs> At every moment in this show, just bafflingly, the people that are in charge of making a decision on the fate of these characters are just like, you know what? I'm going to decide to go with your will because <laughs> fuck it. It's awesome. <laughs> It's Goyish Seinfeld. <laughs> what if only good things happen to you and you were a bad person and, and you still succeeded at every turn? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Mark Wahlberg explaining God to people in his own way. Like, just yeah. what if you just have faith with your voice and have three prayer breaks a day and 30 <laughs> minutes of scheduled family time? You two yeah. could have everything you want. Yeah, that's another hilarious change. Like, culturally, it's like Mark Wahlberg has turned into a grind set guy. He famously <laughs> yeah. gets yes, up at yes. four in the morning, right? Like, uh-huh. Yeah, he he did the Mel Gibson Priest God movie now. Like he has grown. Like the inspiration for Entourage has like matured and grown into a hustle guy. So yeah, that's what the average episode looks like. Let's talk about what's good about the show, what's not so great about the show. So one of my favorite themes of the show is the idea of friends as family. Mm-hmm. I think that in post-World War II American culture, there's this idea that you could you could separate family life, which I think traditionally was like the backbone of society with using your friends as your family like that was the basis of the show friends and i think that that's what entourage is all about is what if i never had to separate from my childhood boys ever freud always thought that the hardest separation in life was from your mother but in this universe the hardest separation in your life is is going from your friends to your family you know separating (laughs) from your boys yeah it's it's like killing your surrogate family and actually starting your own nuclear family right yeah and a lot of the conflict that didn't work in the show like after season three the the central conflict becomes how are they going to make this separation away from their surrogate family and Mm -hmm. it sucks but until that point it's awesome it's just the idea of what if every night was a sleepover with my childhood best friends (laughs) yeah and there is something really infantilizing about this no pain no discomfort only pleasure like that that is how like a toddler thinks right it actually reminded me i'm sorry dear listeners i'm gonna hit you with a book on the pop culture podcast but there's there's an essay there's an essay by david foster wallace called a supposedly fun thing i'll never do again it was about how he went on a seven-day caribbean cruise and hated every second of it and he talks about how they promote it and he he says quote with a few minor niche adaptive variations the seven night luxury cruise is essentially generic all the mega lines offer the same basic product the product is not a service or a set of services it's not even so much a good time it's more like a feeling but it's also a bona fide product. It's supposed to be produced in you. This feeling, a blend of relaxation and stimulation, stressless indulgence and frantic tourism, that special mix of servility and condescension that's marketed under configurations of the verb to pamper. This verb positively studs the Megaline's various brochures. Quote, as you've never been pampered before, to pamper yourself in our jacuzzis and saunas, let us pamper you. Pamper yourself in the warm zephyrs of the Bahamas. The fact that contemporary adult Americans also tend to associate the word pamper with a certain other consumer product is not an accident, I don't think. And the connotation is not lost on the mass market Megalines and their advertisers. Yeah, man. It's like this no pain, only pleasure. It's regressing into a state of childhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like ice cream for dinner just kind of too much of a good thing how long can you really burn it out i can tell you how long uh two seasons two seasons <laughs> <laughs> two and a half seasons or so yeah one of the things i really liked about this show is i think it's a really good metaphor for american capitalism it's sustainable as long as things can keep getting better right as long as you can have perpetual growth everything's awesome because you're the come up is still happening that's how entourage works and for the first two and a half seasons entourage is fucking great because their lives just keep getting better they go from being awesome to being fucking super awesome and without any conflict or any setbacks at all vince's movies become bigger and bigger and the good things that happen to them only become better and better but they're forced to heighten that just because of the nature of of how that works they kind of end up blowing their load a little bit too early i think because by the end of the second season vince has starred in the number one movie of all time (laughs) aquaman (laughs) 
<laughs> which makes more money than Spider-Man. Well, what do you do now? Does Vince become the president? There's no way to heighten having the number one movie of all time. And so <laughs> yeah. they have to hurt Vince's career in order to go up again, to have a second come up. And it's just not fun because it betrays the basic premises of the show, which is what if only good things happen to you? Yeah, so I want a wish fulfillment fantasy. And part of my wish fulfillment fantasy does not involve a trip to rehab for cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and so that runway of things getting better is the only way that the show can operate. And once they run out of runway with Vince, because his career has gotten too good, they have to find other runways. And generally that's like, well, how can we make Ari's career better? Or how can we make each individual crew's career better? And it's, I don't want to see that as much as I want to just see Vince winning. And, and, and the entourage winning like as a result, as the knockoff effect. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it really got me thinking about how attractive the come up is as a feeling yeah the chase oh the chase the Vinny chase of everything you know the idea that things are getting better is a much more satisfying feeling than things are good but stagnant or declining mm -hmm. right like I think about how we have more wealth now than people did in the 60s but in some ways I think the vibes are worse because we're sort of downwardly mobile in our mm -hmm. position whereas like in the 60s like at least you knew things were getting better yeah and, and so it reminded me of this story from the Motley Crue autobiography where like as their band is becoming more notable they're the happiest probably they are in the book because instead of sleeping in like a flop house they're sleeping in like a shitty motel or something and it's like they're they're gradually getting more notoriety but by the time they're famous for like a year and a half and their position is stagnant they all become wildly depressed and like addicted to drugs and that improvement from position to position is is, is an amazing feeling that can't be replicated and it's definitely what this show suffers from big time yeah I mean why is everyone's favorite part of a sports movie the montage it's yeah. the come up distilled in its purest form also apropos of nothing please like subscribe i need that number to go up <laughs> uh, you know I, I get i get serious dopamine hits from the views so <laughs> right yeah so anyway so yeah that's the basic premise of entourage and it's and at some point like you're just you're going to run out of room and because of the way that television worked specifically at this time which was let's just keep making seasons until nobody's watching anymore mm -hmm. if they made nine seasons of this show there's only eight technically but one of them is a double season because they did that a lot in the 2000s because it was cheaper to sign actors for one big season mm. so there's about two seasons of this show that are worth watching and then it plateaus for about a season or two and then the rest of it is truly unwatchable. i watched the whole <laughs> thing to prepare for this and those last two seasons are so painful to watch it's really horrible or the series finale is one of the worst i've ever so seen. bad okay but <laughs> so bad. counterpoint counterpoint there's a shot of not one but two private jets flying off to the sunset okay yeah with, with a combined maybe 400 seats and there's mm. five people that are going to be getting on these planes yeah it's hilarious none of the problems such as they are are relatable in any way and i've heard it compared to sex in the city like this is like the dude sex in the city and it's funny because Sex and the City at least sometimes tried to say something about relationships, right? Like, I know th there'll be conflicts where, mm -hmm. like, one of the girls, you know, her her dude likes it when she puts her finger up his ass, but you can never say it because then the, that freaks the guy out and they think they're gay or whatever. Like, like little things about, like... Yeah, that was Johnny Drama. She was dating Johnny Drama. <laughs> <laughs> Little things about, yeah, what it's like to date, to be in couples, what kinds of problems they have. It, it had some kind of aspiration, whereas the problems that the Entourage gang have are just, man, we can't afford the $10 million mansion. And then yeah. it just gets resolved anyways in their yeah. favor, right? What if you and your boys were getting too much pussy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if you were well, suffering from success? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, they need DJ Khaled in the entourage. I feel like he's the perfect next step from how they would evolve. For sure. And you know that they would have similar views on eating pussy. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, somehow eating pussy is gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bro, I'm not gonna go do that. What are you talking about, bro? <laughs> so, so like I said, by the end of the show, by season six or something, there are no more gains in Vince's career. You've exhausted that as an avenue for driving the plot forward. So what do you do? You make it a show about Vince's friends actualizing and achieving independence. Yeah, and did you listen to our description of the characters? There aren't a lot of meat on those bones to actualize. <laughs> yeah, there is multiple points in season six where Vince, he has six weeks off and he's like how about we just go to Paris and party and then like uh, I think a few episodes later he's like why don't we go to Rome and just party 
And all three of the members of the crew are like, oh, sorry, I can't. I told my girlfriend I would go shopping or like <laughs> I just started a new job or like they have some kind of family or relationship obligations. And I was just yelling at the TV going like, is this the wish fulfillment that I signed up for? <laughs> that my movie star friend wants to take me on an all expenses paid trip to Paris and I can't go because my girlfriend wants to take me shopping. <laughs> Why the fuck am I watching this? This is this is real life. This is- yeah, You violated the person. <laughs> I need contract. escapism this is now. I'm trying to escape and you're making me go shopping with my girlfriend? That's what I'm trying to avoid. Which does yeah. rule. I want to make sure that anybody hears this knows that <laughs> I think that is cool to do and I'm open to it anytime. Ben will go shopping with your girlfriend. <laughs> No, my own girlfriend. Also, I want it to be clear for anybody that listens to it. I want to go shopping with my own girlfriend. By the way, can we talk for a second about fucking E's love life? I want to say that E's love life makes up about 30% of the show. Brutal. It's it's sucks. <laughs> Him and Sloan, who's a very attractive Canadian actress named Emmanuel Shrigui or something, a Richmond Hill woman. They have this on and off again relationship for like five seasons. It sucks. Ben, I don't know if you have anything to say about these two, but I don't care at all if he ends up with Sloan. She's mm -hmm. hot, but I have no investment in this relationship. It's really hard to get invested in a relationship on a show where like, the women are just obvious. Yeah, she's, the, she's like one of the two women that is deemed wife quality on the show <laughs> yeah. and it's another like zero to a hundred example of oh this e you know come up from nothing just tag along best friend i guess he's gonna find his love interest and it just happens to be like the daughter of the one of the biggest agents in hollywood you know ari's mm -hmm. boss so yeah. he, he, he just stumbles into extreme success again but yeah it's i don't care about any of the issues between them it's just like how they can waste half of the episode right like, exactly they all like agree to get back together but then he's like oh actually never mind and then the next episode he's like i was awkward with sloan I, maybe yeah. i should apologize <laughs> to her you know he sucks so hard <laughs> i i truly hate him so much. after like the first three episodes i thought he was the victim of the yeah. entourage gang i was like this poor man he's serious <laughs> he's self-aware he's surrounded by these morons and clowns that cause him nothing but you know they just generate work and discomfort for him but then i kept watching it's like no this guy blows and yeah. again like the ideology of the show the underlying ideology of this bad things don't happen only good things fail upwards only hedonism pleasure <laughs> avoid discomfort whatever there's an episode where he cheats on his girlfriend who's named Kristen, the season one girlfriend she's a psychology major so she you know she says that when she mm -hmm. diagnoses vince with narcissistic personalities <laughs> but he cheats on her he feels really bad he spends fourteen hundred dollars on a necklace to give to her i'm like where well, you're eagerly awaiting some drama and then oh wait no it turns out she actually cheated on him first so our boy e is in the clear now what he did is righteous yeah, yeah. exactly right <laughs> yeah i i didn't enjoy the show as much as you two i think i didn't make it to the later season i could i think that's yeah. the, the funny thing about ian sloan though they present it like will they won't they you know really fall in love and if this is a really good thing they're they are made for each other in some ways it when you step out and think about it she should want absolutely fucking nothing to do with him he's indecisive about the relationship for one moment and he's like oh what if i just went and fucked an 18 year old girl about it yeah and then well, and then he well, feels well, what bad. if i fucked like her stepmom that's what i was gonna say what if he, <laughs> what if i just like my girlfriend said something weird and then i'm gonna fuck her stepmom like yeah. and he has no control it? the showrunner of the show has never heard of show don't tell because <laughs> the basis of their relationship is them just saying to each other you i know you still love me and it's like i know i love you but i can't how about you show me like i don't know the two of them having a good time together well that's the appeal right the lack of subtlety in anything it's just a hundred percent in everything they blow their load too early in every way that's why i say that the climax of the show is is specifically season three episode two which is called one day in the valley and the reason that it's the climax of the show is that it's the day that aquaman comes out and it's a massive success bigger than any fucking movie that's ever fucking come out ever <laughs> and where do you go from there you like there, you you vince invents a new type of film like what there's <laughs> there's nothing you can do he's been in a james cameron superhero movie i guess yeah they could try and make him a director or something because that is oh. something a lot of 
actors try and do is branch it's out. Funny that you say that because <laughs> that is the plot of the Entourage movie. <laughs> Vince makes the greatest film of all time, a movie called Hyde, which is like a Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde movie where Hyde is is like an underground boiler room DJ, and everybody throughout the entire movie keeps referencing it as like the greatest film they've ever seen, but never once in the entire movie do they they try to explain the characterization or the themes of the movie and say why it's so good or the vision that Vince had for this film. It's the the only thing they say is that it's amazing. They can't explain why, but it's the greatest film ever made and Vince did it. Yeah. Let's just talk about the last season a little bit because I think there's some very funny details. One of the most irritable things about the last season is that they introduced Scott Kahn oh, for like the, actually the last two seasons <laughs> as the fifth member of the gang. Horrible. And it's like, you know what this show really needed? Another white guy whose main character trait is that he's a douchebag and he's horny. <laughs> <laughs> this show desperately needed another guy like that. <laughs> it was <laughs> such a breath of fresh air to get the same guy added to the entourage. <laughs> he's so unlikable because unlike the rest of the friends who are childhood best friends he's just some douchebag manager in Hollywood yeah it's the douchebag they picked up off the street <laughs> yeah. yeah we need another short dickhead in the crew really quick <laughs> They needed to find an even shorter guy so that they could feel taller. You know, it's like every gang needs a Ringo that you could all beat up on, right? Yeah, when the casting call went out for this show, they were like, all five, seven punchable faces in Hollywood report. <laughs> Vince dates Sasha Gray and gets a, a coke addiction, as formerly mentioned. Sasha Gray is an atrocious actor. Anytime she is bad. meant to talk about her feelings in this show, it's it just is really and tough to watch. If you're not aware where Sasha Gray is a pornographic actress. She's good. She's great as a pornographic actress, but some of the, <laughs> the pathos didn't quite come across for, for me anyway. Yeah, and the approach to sex work that the show takes, extremely progressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vince doesn't want her doing porn after the yeah. day. That's like the main conflict. Is I'm like, going to save you, Sasha Gray. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking trite-ass premise. Or like, yeah, the second you start dating a porn star, you're going to get a coke addiction your life's going to completely fall apart <laughs> you should shame women at any opportunity <laughs> in the final episode of the show vince just gives turtle four million dollars <laughs> <laughs> Which just seems like a middle finger on the way out of the building, you know? Well, it's like, like a cash grab, literally. Like, Avion is like a real tequila company. And they literally use that as a vehicle to promote it and mm -hmm. launch it. It was crazy. The original right. celebrity tequila brand. Yeah. Yeah, they worked in some very interesting product placements, for sure, in the show. Yeah, he goes from having one client to being the head of his own giant management agency. And in the last episode, Ari quits his job after he becomes the biggest agent in town. Which, honestly... Like that did work for me as a story because I liked that. he ruined a lot of his family life by only focusing on work. And so in the last episode, he just decides to quit his job and focus on his family, which at least makes sense as a narrative. Yeah. But he also quits his job as Turtle and, and Johnny Drama. <laughs> it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. The fact that <laughs> they would all just quit their jobs too. Yeah, like you spent several seasons developing all these other guys and their side hustles, actualizing outside of Vince. The, the, the closers that they all quit their jobs jobs yeah just, yeah clearly ran out of steam ran out of runway ran out of ideas just if vince is done we're all done yeah just true unity at every Let's, turn the show ends with them getting on private planes separate <laughs> private planes yeah and sloan goes back to eric even though he's been like the world's biggest asshole why because yeah. she still loves him like don't think about it you know it's just she said it you know you heard you heard it here because you're because your, your girl is always going to love you no matter what you do bro <laughs> always make bad decisions like like it's a really good lesson. Mm -hmm. You don't need to do any introspection or grow. <laughs> Never grow. You've got everything you need at four years old. <laughs> so fucking true. <laughs> so the show ends with Ari permanently on vacation. And so I have an idea for an entourage spinoff where Ari lives in Jamaica and he owns a restaurant. And uh, the name of the show is Everything Gonna Be Ari. <laughs> <laughs> And I feel like we've been ripping on this show a lot and I want to debate Ben a little bit on like if this is good or not because I know that you don't like it yeah. but I had I had a really easy time like rewatching the first four seasons like I think it is a very funny show don't um, like it I I love it yeah <laughs> I, truly I think it's perfect media yeah 
<laughs> oh, I have Citizen no notes Kane at all. Too, bro. Yeah, it's Entourage and it's Family Guy. I don't need anything else. Yeah, I think I, I am the hater. I mean, some episodes will get a laugh out of me, but it's usually just the Johnny drama bits that get laughs out of me. I kind of I kind of roll my eyes at a lot. What about Ari? I roll my eyes at like Ari's over-the-top abuse of people or yeah, anytime E is on the screen, I'm especially E relationship stuff. I'm so bored. The E relationship stuff is is abysmal. I will give you that. But really brutal. I, I do love the way that the show portrays Hollywood as like a small town. Mm-hmm. Like everybody knows each other. Everybody has history together. Ari has some kind of intimate relationship with every agent or actor in Hollywood, as does mm-hmm. Johnny Drama. That stuff I'm sure is not true, but it is fun to think about. That it's like what? Richard Scarry's world of Hollywood. Yeah, and they have legitimately like a Harvey Weinstein figure, like Harvey yes. Weingard, and he yeah. acts exactly the same. It's crazy. He's a massive prick who like looks <laughs> like him too. So one of the only shows to portray Harvey Weinstein as a monster was on. I wonder what else they knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of like my my closing thought take. I think this is accidentally an anti-Hollywood show just Absolutely. because of like how time has gone and changed. Where clearly what they meant to do was romanticize the lifestyle and put it mm-hmm. up on the pedestal. But I think one thing that's kind of funny about this is there's a long tradition of making movies about movies. Literally as soon as movie technology was invented, there was a movie about making a movie in like the 1920s and they've kept doing it. You have Sunset Boulevard or Singing in the Rain in the 50s and you got the artist in the 2010s or hail caesar by the cohen brothers like this is an obsession for hollywood because hollywood loves itself so hard and what's weird about entourage is that like we said no shots of working on set no shots of rehearsing lines no shots of the work of being an actor or making movies all those other movies i listed even if they were critical about the industry there's an underlying idea that like this is a craft we are making art we are telling stories and this really does make clear that it's just about making money (laughs) making money getting pussy like it's just about the lifestyle aspect of it or screwing someone over like people will make movies just to spite someone all re and vince do is just ambitious greedy business that's how it comes off so the way the show is structured between seasons they shoot the movie and you don't get to see any of the the craft what you see is the production of the movie so how the script gets found and like gets greenlit and that stuff is it's like oh yeah are we gonna make the movie are we not gonna make the movie this oh well i you know he hates (laughs) us it's a lot of shots of people talking on the phone there's a lot of phone (laughs) calls in entourage Uh, a lot of taking meetings and what happened but i think it accidentally turned into the greatest criticism of hollywood and the movie making industry industry maybe of all time what what it thinks of as like funny like Ari's abuse and his philandering and he talks about how he's like fucked you know every cafe worker in Hollywood he, he doesn't philander he's monogamous in the in, in the show like in the po- universe of the show but he says like he slept with it's you. all posturing you know that's like the big joke of the show is that his wife wears the pants and he's actually mm-hmm. monogamous but he Ooh, they don't even reveal her name until the last <laughs> season of the show she's Ari's wife she's Mrs. For, Ari yeah. until the final final season yeah, yeah. This, is, this is a wahhabist show actually so. <laughs> funded by saudi money <laughs> but yeah if not ari then some of these other characters like the harvey weinstein character it does recall the abusive power dynamic of hollywood with mm-hmm. all the stories we heard during me too the wish fulfillment aspect of bad things don't happen it just seems like failing upward like you might call it white male privilege right nothing bad happens mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you do it just comes out good and this might be like a little bit like cringy to say but i feel like the values of society have changed a bit when you buy an airplane ticket now you as a lowly little fucking pleb google flights tells you your carbon emissions right mm-hmm. and it's like oh we need to like be good for climate change or whatever and this is a show that loves its money shots of private jets it's a very yeah. pre-greta thunberg show where like uh-huh. and this is like yeah a positive development i think like maybe we've gotten slightly less consumerist maybe hopefully Mm -hmm. It's a little optimistic on my end. But yeah, all this stuff that the show thinks is awesome, I think really does come off as so tone deaf and like critical of Hollywood now. Yeah, there's there's a need now for like everybody to be a good person. And I'm noticing that a lot more like when I read books set in the 90s or the 2000s. And the idea that you would have to publicly gesture as being a a good person just did not exist in the same capacity back then as it does now. You you know, there were like open assholes like Motley Crue. The entire book, they're like, oh yeah, like we're the devil. You know, we're bad people. 
and stuff like that. And and a lot of entourage, it's like, oh yeah, we're just gonna like do this like conspicuous consumption. We're gonna disrespect people because there's no pretense that we should be good people. Let's talk a little bit about like the 2000s bro culture of the show because it's this, the showrunners tried to excuse it by saying this is a realistic portrayal of Hollywood. Like the people that run the entertainment industry, both back then and now, act like this. And Doug Ellen has said, if I were to remake Entourage, like I wouldn't change a thing because to have Ari speak a different way would be to be dishonest about what people in Hollywood sound like. And you know who Ari is inspired by? One of Barack Obama's friends, Ari Emanuel, brother yeah. of Rahm Emanuel, Barack Obama's chief of staff and future mayor of Chicago. And so it's like, oh, these are the, the powerful people in Hollywood and even in government. And he, Doug Allen said, like, threw up his hands and was like, listen, like, I'm, I'm not the one who's being offensive, right? I am just reflecting society back at itself. It's like when, when rappers, you know, people would get angry with them for writing violent lyrics. And they're like, well, I live in a violent area and I'm just reflecting society back at itself. Yeah, be mad at that, right? Be mad like, at that, right. Why is, there, why is there so much toxic masculinity in your show? I don't know. Why is there so much toxic masculinity in society <laughs> yeah, sure. in Hollywood? Shut the fuck up. And Bill Burr had a line about that where he was saying things about the Catholic Church sex abuse scandal. And someone said to him, didn't you think that... Um, you went a little too far with your comments about the Catholic Church. And he said, don't you think the Catholic Church went a little too far? And so in some ways, Entourage was portraying this like disgusting culture, but it, I don't know, it was a culture that existed. And, and especially when it comes to its portrayal of like Ari specifically, someone who is in power and is like mm -hmm. making decisions in Hollywood. If this was Doug Ellen speaking truth to power, then I could maybe see an argument for that. But I did want to play a couple Ari quotes just to ground us in reality because the show's worst faults, I think, are like sexism. Mm -hmm. There's so many lines in this show, like Turtle saying, you know, friends are just girls you haven't fucked yet. Or like yeah. when they show up to a high school party, they're like, we only like girls that are barely legal. You Oof. know, or there's a lot of like casual, low-key pedophilia, mm -hmm. talking about the hot teens coming to see Aquaman. And I cut some of these while I was drunk the other night, but this one is just called Ari and Women. So we get them wet with Vince first. I guarantee you they will fuck us. We blow our load with Bob and we might not even get our balls tickled. It's like high school, E. You can't fuck the prom queen until she finds out her best friend jerked you off underneath the bleachers. Are you gonna call your wife, Ari? I don't care if my wife's getting fucked right now. Fuck the phones, Lloyd. Unless Carmen Electra calls for an emergency titty fuck, don't answer. Get Dana Gordon on the phone, tell her assistant, if she does not call me back, I will fuck her worse than I did in Cabo in 92. If all this is not taken care of, I will choke you out with a strap on. <laughs> I think that all holds up. <laughs> it would be great if Obama just started talking like that. Yeah, Obama, what's your favorite entourage quote? <laughs> Joe Biden, Biden, uh, if you do not call me back, I will choke you out with a strap on. <laughs> we did it, Joe. So frequently on stupid right-wing Twitter that I hate read, like Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, fucking Matt Walsh, these horrible right-wing grifters on Twitter. Whenever there's a big budget studio movie that has like one black character in it, they're like, look what the woke mob has done to our culture, right? Like, yeah. I know in the new Bond, there was like a black lesbian who had the title of 007 or whatever. And mm -hmm. like, yeah, the Ben Shapiro's of the world freak out about this. But like, this is what was before that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> this is what like, stop complaining about, about woke media because this is the based media that we yeah. had instead we don't need to hear any more about the closed mouth lesbian kiss in the new buzz lightyear pixar movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're grooming they're grooming your kids it's like <laughs> we gotta show them wholesome content like entourage <laughs> Oh, and obligatory. They made a movie of this in 2015, right? Every the movie was fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, we, we've noticed a trend on this podcast that like almost every topic we cover, and like we don't intend to do it this way, but almost every topic we cover, it's like, oh, and they're making a new one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or they just made a new one. And it's because like, we're just, we're done with like new ideas. We're like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, that, that sounds risky. <laughs> yeah, we're like the Entourage gang. We want to avoid <laughs> the discomfort of new things. Just right. give me the comfort thing how can we work vinnie chase into the marvel cinematic universe <laughs> well he i mean he was aquaman so, i guess DC, that's dc I yeah yeah that's true yeah yeah and you pointed out that two of the major movies of the film they made you know yeah. like they, they made yeah. great gatsby they made aquaman they even kind of made a ferrari movie he loosely you know? did narcos 
Yeah, Narcos yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I wish they would have hired uh, instead of Jason Momoma, Momoma, the yoked the the yoked Samoan guy as Aquaman. I wish we got Twink Jason Momoa in the form of Vincent Chase as the real Aquaman. <laughs> right. I mean, Vince famously in the like the show just like never works out. Uh, yeah. Even when he was in a superhero movie, it's like, oh, is he gonna put on like ten pounds of muscle? Nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he learns. That. that sounds like hard work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One time he's gonna work out and he's gonna like learn karate or sword fighting or something to be in a Japanese yeah. commercial and only directly leads to him having sex with his trainer. Yeah, which that was that was a good goaded scene for me for sure when I was in high school him <laughs> having sex with his karate instructor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my fucking karate teacher trying to tell me to learn discipline by making my bed. No, fuck that. (laughs) I've seen Entourage. That's not how this works. It is wild. There's like, I guess we're speaking to one right now. There are so many fans of this show that treat it as like a Bible. I was on the subreddit (laughs) yesterday. There's a subreddit. Wow. Amazing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And any talk about the show being bad will basically get you kicked out. They're like, no, it's it's a beautiful show. Like, how dare you? I mean, yeah. I'm a writer for it. Like if I hear someone talk down about it, I big brain them. I'm like, you just don't understand. It's void of criticism. It's okay for things to be not exciting. It doesn't have to be critically good media. It can just exist and be there. Yeah, I mean, I really like Ben's argument that it was very critical of Hollywood, but mm-hmm. without intending to be. It would have been yeah. really nice if the creator of the show was also in on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that like everybody in the entertainment business is a fucking hedonistic pig. But it's like, it would be awesome if like, yeah, the show was aware of that as well. And not <laughs> treating these people as like heroes for fucking a lot and being vindictive assholes. Yeah, man. <laughs> Reminded me of the Trump access Hollywood tape man that's the approach to women in the show when you're a star you can do what you like that would be yeah you know the the tagline for this show was fame it's more fun with your friends but yeah just as easily the tagline could have been like you know when you're famous they let you do it yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because so often yeah Vince's problems are just like solved by like him being a charismatic handsome guy it's like come on like couldn't you do it you know won't you just marry E he's a good guy (laughs) (laughs) and then you look into Vince's Chase's beautiful blue eyes and you're like okay all right his large wet mouth oh one more note is that in the series finale uh vince goes on a 24-hour date with a woman and then decides to marry her and it's just like oh yeah they're in love it's it's the one reporter that gave him a hard time he's like whoa (laughs) she can think for herself holy shit i gotta marry her now (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And this actually makes sense in the canon of the show because we learn in the movie that they get divorced after like seven days or something. <laughs> As does E. Uh, okay. Anybody have any like closing thoughts? I shot my wad on the, like, like Entourage, I shot my closing thoughts wad too early. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like, why do we need a show about Hollywood? You know, it's typically it's about the craft. Like, not not often enough is it about the raft. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> hanging out in the lazy river with your friends. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, Ben, thanks for joining us and talking about one of two fundamental pillars of Boston culture. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you're an expert on both Family Guy and Entourage. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be ready for the Family Guy one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this, this was fun. Yeah, if you if you listened i'll say it one more time like subscribe five stars write a review we we need the line to go up we need the perpetual come up on for our style growth so. yeah we will continue being happy until we become the world's largest podcast and then <laughs> kill ourselves <laughs> <laughs> to going to california by led zeppelin yeah yeah <laughs> all right all right yeah thanks for listening see you next time Peace. spend my days with a woman unkind smoke my stuff and drink all my wine Made up my mind Make a new star Going to California with an aching